Recording in progress. There you have it. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Daily Power Parsha, Monday, July 26th. And because it's Monday, you know the drill. Because it's Monday, that means we got a new Torah portion, new Parsha. This week is Akev. It's one of my top 53. Joking, there's 53 Torah portions. It's one of my top Torah portions because I love the whole concept of the word Akev. You know what the word Akev means? Akev? Yaakov. Jacob, right? Yaakov. Why was he named heel? Yaakov? Yeah, Say it again. Heel, heel, yes. Yes. Not H-E-A-L, like Rufu'ah, like getting better. Although that's also certainly something that is a good blessing. But heel, Meloshan, H-E-E-L, like the bottom part of your foot, like the bottom part of the body, the heel of the foot. So Akev could mean heel. It could also mean because. It can mean because, or due to the fact that. So we'll see how this works in our Torah reading, um, which will begin right now as I share this with y'all. Okay, here we go. No, it's Ayin. Here, we're going to show it um, right over here. Let's hide Rashi. Akev is right there, second word on the Hebrew side. Ayin, Kufbet. Yaakov, by the way, the name of our third patriarch, is spelled the same way, just with a yud at the beginning of the word ekev. Yaakov, and different, obviously, vowels. Um, okay, so Torah reading is ekev, reading number one. So everyone here in person has the same printout of the same text, so we're all on the same page, literally and figuratively, same translation. I'm going to begin Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse number 12. And it will be. Vahaya, and it will be because, Akef, because you will heed these ordinances and keep them and perform them. In other words, due to the fact that you're going to keep the Mishpatim, which are the civil laws, and, and you're going to keep them and perform them. So it's because of that, or due to that, or as a result of that, Akef, because that what's going to happen? That the Lord your God will keep for you, the covenant, you know what the covenant is, right? Where God says, I'm yours, you're mine. If we, if we pull our weight, so to speak, if we do what we need to do, then, God, then, then Moses tells the people, remember this is Moses speaking to the people, then God, your God, will keep for you the covenant and the kindness that he swore to your forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Yaakov, Jacob. Rabbi, so the yes. Yeah, the covenant is essentially the, the first member of the covenant, which is why we call him the first Jew, is Abraham. Because God says, I will bless you and your children, and I will give you the land, and your children I will give the land, etc. And I will be yours, and, my, and, and, and I am your God, and your, you and your descendants will be mine. And, and that's, that's kind of where that relationship starts. So the covenant, what is a covenant? The covenant means like a deal, like an agreement, an agreement. What's the agreement? God says, I choose you. And we say to God, okay, and we choose you. So we each choose each other. And what Moses says is, as long as you are still choosing God, God is still going to choose you. So, but he's choosing us for a special relationship, but he's, God is also for all peoples. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So the Jewish people, Donna's clarifying. So the Jewish people have a unique relationship with God. And it's, it's, it's what makes it unique. What makes it unique is Torah and Mitzvot, 613 commandments. Now, the rest of humanity has seven. Mm. 
which is a shorter list, right? It's a little bit easier to, to pull off. Um, but yeah, God is the God of everyone. And in fact, one of the seven Noahide laws is essentially belief in monotheism, belief in one God. That's literally one of the seven. So the core beliefs are the same in, in God, but it's, it's a special relationship of Torah and mitzvot of these 613 obligations. Special responsibility, exactly. So Moses says, when you keep these mitzvot, then God is going to keep his end of the deal also. Now, let's continue. Verse 13, and he will love you and bless you. Again, all is a result of Akev, because you keep Akev tishmun et mishpatim, because you will keep the ordinances, the mitzvot, then he's going to keep the covenant and the kindness, and he will love you, and he will bless you, and he will multiply you. Three different blessings at the top of verse number 13. Love you is love. Bless you is bless. Multiply you is multiply you. Right? God's going to do math on us. No, God, of course, multiply means, you know, more numerous, more people. He will bless the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your soil. So both physical um, children offspring as well as the offspring, so to speak, of, of the land. Your grain, your wine, and your oil. And God will also bless the offspring of your cattle and the choice of your flocks in the land which he swore to your forefathers to give you. So all these blessings will also take root where? In the promised land, in the land that God promised and swore to your forefathers, again, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that's a reference to, of course, the land of Israel. Moses continues to, to tell the people shortly before his passing, you shall be blessed above all peoples, there will be no sterile male or barren female among you or among your livestock. Now, this is a blessing. Is it a promise? I mean, can we say that there's never been someone who wasn't able to have children? Uh, we, know, we, know, we know what the facts are. The facts are the facts. This is a blessing. This is a wish. This is a hope. It's a, the blessing is, let there be no sterile man or barren female among you or among your livestock. And the Lord, again, another blessing, another wish that Moses blesses the people with is verse 15 and the Lord will remove from you all illness and all of the evil diseases of Egypt which you knew he will not set upon you what does it mean the evil diseases of Egypt so it could be a reference to the plagues let's see what Rashi says Rashi does not comment on this does it refer to the plagues or other stuff that was going around Egypt that the Jewish people knew about when they lived there. Either way, Moses says, V'chol madvei Mitzrayim, all of the madvei, all of the diseases, the negative diseases of, of Mitzrayim, of Egypt, haraim, that are, that are evil, asher dati, that you know, I will not set upon you. But he will lay them upon all your enemies. Those that wish to destroy you, that's where those evil diseases will go, but not to you again. Moses is blessing the people before his passing with all of these really powerful blessings. Verse 16, Moses continues to bless the people. And you shall consume all the peoples which the Lord your God gives you. You shall not spare them. Consume means essentially that you should Consume doesn't, it's not a weird mitzvah of cannibalism, God forbid. Consume means in war that they should, they should, they should fall completely at your feet, so to speak. They should, they should be, um, 
the enemy should be destroyed before you completely. Like consuming where there's no remnant left of, of that which is consumed. So this is com complete and total victory in the battles and the wars that will be forthcoming. You shall consume all the peoples which the Lord your God gives you. You shall not spare them, nor shall you worship their gods, for that will be a snare for you. Okay. So basically the blessing, again, all of this is a blessing Moses gives to the people. And the blessing, as you know from the beginning, the opening uh, um, line of the, this week's Torah portion is, Ekev Tishmu'un, Etemishpatim. Because you will listen to, you will follow God's ways, then these are the blessings that I bless you with that you will enjoy. And this last one in verse 16 is about, once again, when the Jewish people enter Israel and confront these foreign nations, they should be victorious, it should be easy, right? They should be um, successful, and don't leave idolatry behind. Don't leave idol worshippers or, idol or idolatry items, paraphernalia, behind, because that is going to set a trap for you. That will be a snare for you. What's a snare? Snare is, I think, a part of a drum set, but a snare is also a trap. If you leave, if you leave idolaters around in the land, and you leave altars and temples and getchkes, idols, and all that stuff, it's not going to be good. Don't do it. It's bad practice. It's a bad idea. Verse seven. Yeah. Is this when he says destroy all of Amalek? Or this isn't it? No, Amalek is different. Amalek is Amalek is Amalek. Amalek is destroyed for for other reasons. This is referring to the indigenous land, the, the people in the land of Canaan weren't actually indigenous. They had moved there, and this was their time to move out. The point is, don't keep them around because they're idolaters, and it's going to be a snare. It's going to be a trap. This is not a malik, but it's a similar, similar deal. Now, um, the only difference is a malik is meant to be completely destroyed, whereas these nations are meant to be driven out, not necessarily destroyed, but just driven out of the land. If they don't leave, then that's something else. Um, verse 17, will you say to yourself, now, in other words, perhaps you might say to yourself the following Moses tells the people, these nations are more numerous than I, how will I be able to drive them out? So a per you might say, well, one second, we're supposed to go into Israel and drive out all these nations. We're outnumbered. We're outgunned. Moses says, verse 18, and this is something that we've encountered already probably a dozen times in Deuteronomy in the first two, two Torah portions. But once again, we have it here. We're going to have it many, many, many more times in this book, in this final message to, the, to his people. Moses says, you shall not fear them. You might be afraid. You might wonder, how is it possible? Could, are, can we really be successful? The answer is, do not fear them. You shall surely remember what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all of Egypt. In other words, God has already done this before. You've already stood up to a nation that's more numerous than you, to a nation that's more powerful than you, and you, and, and you were able to be victorious. Why not? It's not because of you. It's because of God. Don't you remember what God did? Verse 19. The great trials that your eyes saw, the signs, the wonders, the mighty hand, the outstretched arm, which the Lord your God brought you out. With, sorry, with which the Lord your God brought you out. God has already demonstrated his ability to be victorious over nations that are very mighty, and he did that in the past, 40 years prior to this, to this moment. So will the Lord, your God, Moses says, do to all the peoples you fear. You might fear them, but don't fear. God will make sure that you will be victorious. Okay, verse 20. Verse 20. And also that Sirah 
וגם את הצירה. The tzira too, the Lord your God will incite against them until the survivors of those who hide from you perish. So what is the tzira, you're wondering? Let's see if we have Rashi. Rashi says here in verse number 20, the tzira, Hebrew hatzira, is a species of flying insect which injected poison into the Canaanites, making them Ooh. impotent and blinding their eyes wherever they hid. Well, there you go. That's quite the tzira. That's quite the something that no one wants here, right? What is the tzira? What's the first letter in that? Tzadik? Tzadik, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, thank you. Tzira, yeah. So Moses says, God will send the tzira against the Canaanites until the survivors and those who hide from you perish. Because look, look at what Rashi said. Injected poison into them, making them impotent, and blinding their eyes wherever they hid. So wherever they hid, they couldn't see. So they had to come out of hiding, and then they were, they were um, out in the open and not under cover, under, uh, um, in hiding. Let's continue verse 21. Moses tells the people, again, direct message from the leader, to the peoples, you shall not be terrified of them. Once again, do not be afraid, essentially. Do not be terrified, for the Lord your God, who is in your midst, is a great and awesome God. So, yeah, if it's up to you, you should be terrified. Be afraid, be very afraid. If, it's, if you think that it's going to be you trying to beat the, trying to be victorious over the Canaanites, you have no chance. If you believe that God is with you, then you got something else. Then it's, some, it's another deal. Then you have hope. Then, then there's nothing to worry about. Reminds me of the Six-Day War, right? The Jews are outnumbered, outgunned from all sides, literally from all sides. How many nations, right? The threat. It's like, well, it's, uh, I feel like we're getting further and further away from, from that. So it's like, you know, who remembers it even? I wasn't born in 67, but, so I don't remember it firsthand, but. I do. Okay, right. And, and it, was, it was not a normal thing to happen. It was not possible, right? The Jews were, they were, I think, digging graves or getting ready or getting boxes ready for bodies in Israel. Because the nations around Israel, Egypt, etc., they had declared their intention to war and intention to wipe out Israel. And they were outnumbered, outgunned, out everything until... The impossible happened and the miracle of the Six-Day War happened. And it's easy to say, well, because Israel strategically, militarily smart, very smart. Okay, okay, we can't forget about God. Right? We can't, can't forget about God. We forget about God at our own peril, at our own risk. We want to take all the credit. We want to say it's all about us. Okay, all right, good luck with that. <laughs> That's what Moses is saying. If, if it's about you, good luck with that. You got a lot of nations, they're very strong and they're very, they're very numerous. If it's about God, God can do, God, God will pull it off. If it's about you, I don't know. Rabbi, even some of the generals in that war said that we had something greater than them uh, leading us. In other right. words, they acknowledged the power of 100%. God. I mean, I remember hearing interviews. Or, or seeing video interview or audio interview of a general or commander, whoever it was, who said that one tank, you might remember this, right? One tank rolls up a hill and there's a whole, a whole series of Egyptian tanks or whatever. And right. they see the one tank and they all turn around and surrender. Or they surrender, they turn around to one tank. 
Why? I think there was an interview with one of the Egyptian commanders. They thought they saw a whole fleet of Israeli, tents, uh, Israeli tanks. And it wasn't, it was one tank. Go figure. I, listen, I mean, this is stuff, again, the, fr the, far, the further away we are from it, the easier it is to be cynical about it and say, ah, whatever, God, miracles, ah, it's a good strategy. It's easy to become cynical. But it, it, it takes work to have faith. Emuna, I've said this, I think, the last three weeks in, in various classes. Emuna means training. We have to train ourselves. What? It's like the Olympics. Whether we can or cannot mention them, that's another thing. But pursuant to last week's conversation. But it's like the Olympics. You can't just show up, right, and, 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 and you know, ready to, like, do the long jump. I mean, this is like, you got to, or the high jump for that matter, you got to train. So Emunah is training. Emunah is seeing God in, in the everyday and then also in the miraculous. Yeah. yeah, so but now you know nowadays it's used against us, the Israeli victories. You know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Donna is saying now the Israeli strength is used right. against us. Now, ho, ho, it's like Israel is terrible. Like, right. Listen, I, I, I have so, much, so many thoughts about this. I don't even know where to start. But it's, it's going to take us, uh, I feel like, too far off. It's very troubling, the narrative surrounding Israel. Um, but look, and I, I, again, I have, there's a lot of things that I feel like I want to say, but um, I feel like for another time, we'll save it for another time. But I think the one thing I do want to say is we can't let that, get us down and become despondent by, by all that stuff. We have, to, we have to know the truth and we have to keep on keep on keep, keep on keeping on and keep not on. get to... Uh, Maybe we can have a course. You know, you know what? We are going to have a course in, um, in October after the holidays the out, Outsmarting Anti-Semitism which I haven't seen the material. I Actually, it's funny. I got a call this morning, a, a different call from JLI about the winter course of next year, next winter. So like a year and a half. And the course is about Jewish literature. I hope I could reveal that. I mean, why not? Anyway, I just did. <laughs> hey -oh. We're all amongst friends. So it's about Jewish literature. It's basically like understanding, like the whole, basically like the, we talk about Torah. Well, what is Torah? Five books of Moses? No. Well, we have the books of the prophets. But it's, so it's about like taking a big look, like a broad look at every major piece of Torah and sampling the sections of Torah and kind of you know, putting it all together. So it's going to be like a nice overview of, of what's going on. Anyway, that's coming up. But what was I going to say? I don't remember what I was, what I was going to say. Um, Oh, about, about Israel. So I don't know if Israel is in that anti-Semitism course, but I'm sure we can work it in because it's very important. Okay, let's jump back into here. But basically Moses tells the people who are going to be the ones facing the enemy, don't be afraid God is with you. Um, 22. Look at this. Powerful. And the Lord your God will drive out those nations from before you little by little. Me'at, me'at. Look at the Hebrew right there. Verse 22, second line in verse Chavbez, 22. Ma'at ma'at, or ma'at ma'at. Little by little, God will drive them out before you. You will not be able to destroy them quickly, lest the beasts of the field outnumber you. 
Essentially, what this is saying is it's actually not healthy for the land. If Imagine if all the nations decided the moment the Jewish people stepped foot in Jericho that all the nations in the entire land of Israel would pack up and flee day one. Well, what's going to happen is you'll have lots of huge areas of land that are unpopulated because the Jewish people haven't had a chance to settle them yet, but the people have left, and so meanwhile it's going to be overrun by nature, by wild animals. Now that might sound good on some level, but in this context, Moses is saying, not so good. Um, so for the land, for the settling of the land, it's better that it goes slowly. And of course, of course, when we talk about our spiritual progress, the message here is powerful. Don't expect to conquer all of our inner passions and desires in one day. In other words, if we did a real self analysis, okay, what are the things, what are the character traits, what are the midot, what, are the, what inner work would be healthy for me to do? And we make a list. We can't, we're not going to be able to drive out all of the negativity in one day. And it wouldn't even be healthy because it just wouldn't. It's just too much too fast. We've got to work on it slowly. And, and it's not a concession to human frailty, but it's really the way to sustainability. Progress that happens slowly is usually more sustainable than the progress that happens really fast. Easy come, easy go. Right? If it's too easy, it's too quick, you know, it, it, it could crash. So, for example, I'll speak Jewishly now, religiously. So, oftentimes when, when people get enthused about Yiddishkeit and Judaism and, and observance, and they say, okay, so, you know, ready to go, you know, tell me a mitzvah to do, you know, what, what mitzvah do I need to do? So, one, one important thing always to, 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 to remind the person is, it's better to go a little slower than faster because that is the more sustainable path, right? If you want to start, you know, go from wherever to like all of the mitzvot all of the time, I mean, it's, it's laudable, it's very praiseworthy. The question is, is it sustainable or will the person, will it lead to some sort of burnout, right? Because it's like, oh, it was like too much. I bit off too much that I can chew and now, you know what? It's too hard, forget it. That's like, that's the worst. That's not, that's not the ideal. Um, that's like losing all the progress. So the, 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 the ideal path is, not, you know, a mountain, but a, but a, but a what's it called again? A, um, a ramp, you know, like a, 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 sl a slighter incline, obviously continuing to make progress. Oh. Yeah, exactly, but doing it in a way where it's not too overwhelming. Okay, so that's again some spiritual and personal insight from 22, yeah. Yeah, for, uh, mayor, mayor, yeah. Money, I, I don't think it's what it is, but you had said there was like two words like this, that was like the middle of the Torah. Oh, yeah, yeah, It's um, Darosh Darash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in Leviticus. It's where Moses was examining. Why, why did they burn the, why did they eat the Rosh Chodesh offering on the day that, sorry, why did they burn the Rosh Chodesh offering on the day of the inauguration of the Mishkan when the sons of Aaron passed away? They were supposed to be eaten, according to Moses, and they burnt them. So Darosh Rashi investigated. And the point is, Torah needs to be studied in a way of investigation. Rabbi, which word in the, in the Hebrew? Some of the word. So look at, look at verse 22. Yeah. Right across from verse 22 is Chafbez. And it's the second line of that three-line yeah. um, thing. And it's this, the first two words on the right side. Ma'at, ma'at. Ma'at, ma'at. The, the final tough. The tough. The test, the test, the tet, yeah. Ma'amat. Okay, verse 23. 
But the Lord your God, verse 23, the Lord your God will deliver them to you. And he will confound them with great confusion until they are destroyed. But slowly but surely. And he will deliver, 24, he will deliver their kings into your hand. And you will destroy their name from beneath the heavens. No man will be able to stand up before you until you have destroyed them. What a blessing. Right? All your enemies will fall before you. They're not going to stand up to you. Amazing. The graven images, Moses says, the graven images of their gods you will burn with fire. You will burn. Is he speaking prophetically? You should burn, he's basically saying. This is what you need to do. Burn the idols. You shall not covet the silver or gold that is upon them and take it for yourself. You say, wow, look what I found, an idol of gold. Let's use it, melt it down, make, make jewelry. No, don't do it. Don't do it. You got to burn it, dis destroy it completely. It's not going to be good. Right? You're going to want to save it because it's beautiful, because it's precious, because it's this, it's that, or the other. Don't take it for yourself, lest you be ensnared by it. Second time we have that word, snare. Lest you be ensnared by it. It's a trap, for it is an abomination to the Lord your God. And by the way, if Jewish history played out and Jews never reverted to idolatry, you would say that Moses is completely being irrational and over, you know, just becoming super paranoid. And like, what's he even talking about? But you and I know, hopefully, that the first temple was destroyed because of idolatry. That's why it was destroyed. The history is very, very troubling and disturbing, but Jews at some point reverted to idolatry. This fear came to fruition, and Moses knew it. He knew that it was a challenge. He knew that it was a susceptibility, right? It's human nature. They were more susceptible then than we are now. We had a course, Curious Tales of the Talmud, where we spoke about how the sages, right before the Second Temple era, they prayed to God to eliminate the desire for you know, idol worship. But then they had it. And so Moses said, you know, I mean, it's like just replace this with whatever it is that gets you and I very excited, right? Negative things that get us very excited. And just imagine, Moses knows it's going to be right in front of their nose, right? He knows that it's going to be in front of the nose. And he says, get rid of it. Don't leave it around as a temptation. It will not be healthy. Verse 26, nor should you bring an abomination into your house. That refers to an idol. Lest you are destroyed by it, lest you are destroyed like it. Rather, you shall utterly detest it and you shall utterly abhor it, for it is to be destroyed. Okay, that's all chapter 7, or at least the first bit of, the, the, the last whatever of chapter 7 that began with this week's Torah portion. You should know this is um, the, still the first reading of, of, our, of our Torah portion, which corresponds to Sunday, which is yesterday. But we're doing this um, to get up to speed. Deuteronomy ch chapter, yeah, no, Deuteronomy chapter 8. Here we go. Oh, oh once, uh, hold on, hold on, before we continue, I want to go back to the first verse and to the name of the Torah portion, Akev. I said Akev means heal, but it also means because, but Rashi combines, listen to this, this will blow your mind. Rashi combines both interpretations of Akev meaning because and Akev meaning heal. And what does Rashi say? What, what, what's the, how do we translate the opening verse? Because you will listen to the mitzvot, so Hashem will bless you and reward you, etc., and give you all these blessings. Fantastic. Rashi says, it's not just because you will listen to the mitzvot. 
It's because you will listen to the mitzvot, every mitzvah, even the seemingly little ones that a person typically tramples on with their heel. There, that, see, and that's where he brings heel back in. Ray, what were you going to ask? Um, well, remember when, when the twins were born yes. and, and he was hanging on to the yes. heel? Yes, yes, exactly. Right, Yaakov was holding on to the heel, which is why he got the name Yaakov, because he was a heel holder. But Rashi says here that what does Akev mean? Because you will listen to the mitzvot that people sometimes neglect like you step on something with your heel and don't pay attention. Just like something insignificant, like, um, I don't know, like a crumb, whatever. You might step on and like not, not pay too much attention to. There might be a mitzvah that you might perceive as, eh, that one's not so important. I need to worry about that one. Eh, whatever. So the, so, so the Torah is telling us, according to Rashi, Akev, because... In other words, using both meanings of Akev simultaneously. And you're thinking, well, one second. One interpretation at a time. No. Don't. We can't create the rules like that. The rules of interpretation are you can use multiple layers of Torah interpretation simultaneously and collapse them into one. So Akev means because, and Akev means heal. Hey, Mark. It means because and heal simultaneously. Because you will keep even the supposedly little mitzvot that one could trample with their heel, that's when you get the real, the big reward when you do even the details. Take a look at Rashi's commentary in verse number one. Look at this. And it will be because you will heed. Oh, so this is only for the online. You have to trust me in person that this is Rashi. Hebrew is ekev, literally heal. If you will heed the minor commandments, minor commandments, which one usually tramples with his heels, i.e. which a person treats as of being minor importance, then God will keep his promise and these blessings, etc. That is what's going on. So it's very, it's very powerful here, this idea, because, oh, let me just, just wrap this idea up for a second, or not wrap it up, but just finish this point. Because there's a famous expression that goes, God is in the details. And that's a very similar thing over here, right? Where is God? Where is the blessing? And the little details. Because the little details are not so little. You think about any relationship. It's the little details that actually make the relationship. It's not, you know, the anniversary flowers or, you know, the cards or the birthdays. I mean, yeah, that's also important. And it's not like the big things, you know, when you go over to, for Thanksgiving to the family that you're treating each other nice. That's, that's the obvious stuff. The question is the little everyday stuff, the little everyday interactions. How are those going, right? And I call them little with massive quotes, quotation marks around them. They're not actually little. But we think, oh, does it matter that this morning I, was, I, 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 I smiled or said good morning with a happy face or asked them how their day was at the end and really listened to the answer? Does it matter what happens on a, on a, in, in this moment? This moment is insignificant. And the answer is absolutely. That's, that's where the relationship is. It's not in the big things. It's in the little things, it's in, in the details. This is what Rashi is teaching us. This is, I don't know, maybe one of the most important things we could ever hear. Right here at the beginning, and I, I'm, I'm glad I circle back to mention it because it's super important. God is in the details. Relationships are made, are, are forged in the details, in the details. And, and, and Akev means the stuff that you might otherwise overlook. And we say, no, your relationship with God is found in those little things because that means that you're really committed. How do we know you're committed if the little things are being 
paid attention to. Yeah. It makes me think, I don't know if there's any connection, going back to the heel concept, you know, you know the expression Achilles heel? Donna's mentioning Achilles heel. Yeah. The Greek, the Greek always goes back to the mythology. <laughs> right. Achilles was one of the dudes, right? Yeah. Achilles. Yeah. So What's his? Yeah. If, so that, he had a weakness, and so that's become in our common talk. Right. Oh, that was his weakness. Well, there's, I don't remember the exact Something thing, about the mythology. Mean, it's an expression now. So I would say, listen, without knowing necessarily the source, yeah. if we were to just combine it into some, you know, kumbaya spiritual lesson, we could say that our weakness might be in the little things that we don't, that we kind of brush off as not being so important, but they are important, and the, the compounding of details dropped constitutes, somebody told me so recently, who was it? I mean, it's not something that we haven't heard before, but the point was, the Nakuda was, the, which is point in Hebrew, the Nakuda was that the... The str- oh, it was Rabbi Simon Jacobson. You guys know Simon Jacobson? Yeah? So he called me about a project that he's doing that he wanted me to get involved with. So Rabbi Jacobson told me, and he's one of my favorite personal teachers, a mentor of mine personally, um, author of Toward a Meaningful Life, the director of the Meaningful Life Center. You can check him up on, on, on the internet. Simon or Simon, spelled S-I-M-O-N, Jacobson. Anyway, so Rabbi Simon Jacobson told me recently the strongest, I mean, it's like, it's a cliche, your strongest point is your weakest point, right? right? Your, is your weakest point. That's the way it is. The weakest link in a chain. Right, the weakest link, right? It's the weak. so you're only as strong as your weakest link, right. as your weakest point. So how is my relationship? If it's failing, Right? I'm saying personally, right? If, my, if our relationships are failing in the, you know, the little everyday communications, that's, the, that's as strong as it is. And the other stuff doesn't make it stronger because there's other stuff, because there are areas of strength. It's only as strong as the weakest, as the weakest part. So strengthen the heel. No Achilles heel. Strengthen the heel. And that strengthens the whole, the whole thing. All right. I don't, I don't think we need to belabor this. I think it makes Rabbi, sense. Right, yeah. One more thing. Uh, years ago, there was a popular song called things, Little Things Mean a Lot. Yeah, Little Things Do Mean a Lot. That was years I like ago. it. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> things haven't changed. Things haven't changed. No. I want to say this. This is only going to work in the Hebrew. I'm going to mention this very, very quickly because it involves Hebrew letters and numerology and a bit of uh, like abstract thinking. So I'm going to do this super fast. If you get it, great. If not, don't worry about it. Every letter in Hebrew has the way that it's written as one character, right? There's, every letter is one letter. But the way you pronounce it audibly, right, the way, you, the way you summon it forth in speech into the world, it actually has three letters, like Aleph, Aleph. Just sound out the it, Aleph is one letter, but when you say it, Aleph, three letters. So if you were to write out the letter Aleph as a word, as you pronounce it, you would write the letter Aleph, and then a Lamid, Aleph, and then a final Fe, Aleph. So every letter, here's the point, every letter actually has three letters to it. So there's a way of interpretation, I hope that makes sense, there's a way of interpretation where you write out the three letters 
of every letter, and then you can learn, listen to this, you can not only learn the numerology of the letters that you see written, but the underlying letters that you don't see. You with me on this? Yeah. So, for example, for example, the word Akev, just random example, Akev, yeah? Akev is comprised of three letters, Al, Ayin, Kuf, and Bet. Well, if you were to write out all three letters, Ayin is written out, the Ayin is one letter, is one character, but the way you pronounce it is Ayin, Ayin, so it's comprised of three letters, the Ayin, the Yud, and the final Nun. The Kuf is also comprised of three letters, and the Bet is also comprised of three letters. The middle letter of the Ayin, the Kuf, and the bat, the middle letters. So if you, again, if you write them out, each letter has three, le has three letters. If you look at the middle column, let's say you write them out, you know, Ayin, Kuf, Bet, Yud, Tuf. So if you write them out, right, Ayin, Kuf, right? So you have Ayin, Yud, Nun, Kuf, Yud, Fei, and Bet, Yud, Tuf. Take the middle column. The first column we know is Akev. But take the middle column. You have, what do you have? Yud, Vav, and Yud. Yud, Vav, Yud. And you know what that the numerology of Yud and Vav and Yud is? 26, which is the numerology of God's name, Yud, K, Vav, K. God's holy tetragrammaton, the four-letter name of God, that is the holiest name of God in Scripture. So this is my commentary. I've never seen anyone write this before. I haven't seen this written. Maybe it's somewhere. But my commentary is Akev. The word Akev, according to Rashi, means the details. And when you spell it out, the middle column, the middle is 26, which is God's name. God is in the details. Right? If Akev is details, the middle column, the inside of Ayin, Kuf, and Bet is 26, the numerology of God, which means that God is in the midst of the details. If that made sense to you, great. If not, it's also okay. All right, that's also great. Let's jump in. Let's continue with Deuteronomy chapter 8. I really need a board and a this and a that to really show. Yeah. Very nice. Thank you. Thank you. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1. Let's jump back in. Again, I, as I mentioned before, I have a bit of a hard stop at 1 for a meeting. Here we go. Every commandment that I command you this day, this is what Moses is telling the people. This is not God speaking. This is Moses speaking. Every commandment that I command you this day, you shall keep to do, that you may live and multiply and come and possess the land that the Lord swore to your forefathers. Moses is telling the people, everything that I'm telling you, please do, and it's going to benefit you. You will live and you'll multiply and you'll have the land. Okay. And you shall remember. Here we go. Verse 2. You shall remember. The entire way on which the Lord your God led you these 40 years in the desert in order to afflict you, to test you. Moses tells the people at the end of the 40 years, for these last 40 years we've been wandering. And you know what? All of this was a test. All of this was a test. It was a punishment for the sin of the spies, sure. But it was also a test. What was the test? To know what is in your heart, whether you would keep His commandments or not. Would you keep His commandments under duress, under wandering circumstances, in difficult times? Or is it only like when things are good, for sure we're on board. But if things are a little bit sticky, then we're out. 
The fact that you're still here today means you're in it. All of this was a test. Verse number three, and he afflicted you and let you go hungry. There were times when you didn't have what to eat. And then he fed you with manna, which you did not know. Manna is this mystery food, right? Nor did your forefathers know. And why did he do this? So that he would make you know that man, and this is one of the most famous lines in the Bible, so that you should know that man does not live by bread alone, but rather by whatever comes forth from the mouth of the Lord does man live. I get, Mo Moses tells the people, God gave you manna from heaven for 40 years. Why? To instill, to drill inside of you the realization, the recognition that man does not live by bread alone. You don't need bread to live, but rather God's word. In other words, if God says, eat manna and you eat manna, you will survive. It's not bread that gives us life. It's the divine word that gives us life. According to Kabbalah, this is what it means. It's not the physical, the physicality of the bread that gives us sustenance alone. But it's the word of God, the speech of God, the divine spark within everything, within the food, that truly gives us the energy that it takes to be a human being, to be a functioning human being. Again, just to clarify what I just said. Sometimes we think, sorry, not sometimes we think, every, everything has body and soul. Every entity has, even a stone, even a stone has a soul. Food also has a soul. And so Moses, again, according to Kabbalah, Moses, the message here is that we are sustained, our souls are sustained, not by the body of the food, but by the soul of the food. And Kabbalah continues to explain that the soul of the food is on an even higher level than the soul of the human being. Why? Because the, the, the way it works in Kabbalah, in the Kabbalistic understanding is, the higher something is in its source, the lower it descends below. So the fact that food, which comes from the vegetable kingdom, or the animal kingdom if you're eating meat, the fact that these elements of life exist conceptually beneath the human being, means that their source is actually higher than the human being, which is why According to Kabbalah, we need to eat food in the first place. Why should we need something beneath us? Conceptually beneath us, spiritually beneath us. Doesn't make sense. They should eat us, we shouldn't eat them. So why do we need to eat to live? Because their soul, their spark, is actually coming from a higher level than ours. Which is what Moses, according to Kabbalah, is alluding to when he says, Ki person does not live by the bread itself. But rather, even when you eat bread, it's not by bread alone that you live. Rather, it's by the utterance of God's mouth. In other words, it's by the spark of God, the divine ember within the food that Adam that, that sustains the human being. Let's continue. Verse number Are, four. Yes. Uh, I have an interesting note here. Um, this from the Midrash. It says, it says, you shall be wholehearted with Hashem your God states that the verse is a commandment not to question the ways of the omnipresent, to know what is in your heart, whether you would observe his commandments, seems self-contradictory, for observance of commandments is generally a matter of action, not a matter which is in the heart. Nice. Rob explains that the verse refers specifically to the commandments which have to do with a person's attitude nice. for the phenomena mentioned in the verse, affliction, hunger, and being fed the manna. Nice. Right? Which are internal feelings toward that, toward those things. Beautiful. 
Beautiful. Let's continue verse 4, and we'll do a quick run and close it out. So tomorrow, that means we're going to have to pick up with reading 2 and go with 2. and th- Hopefully, we'll do 2 tomorrow, 2 and 3. All right, here we go. Your clothing, Moses says, did not wear out upon you, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. 40 years in the desert. Clothing stayed fresh. Your feet were healthy. You shall know in your heart that just as a man chastises his son, so does the Lord your God chastise you. If you need, if you need to be chastised. And it's about correction, not about punishment. And you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to go in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord your God is bringing you to a good land, a land with brooks of water. Maybe we don't have milk and honey here, but it's brooks of water, fountains and depths that emerge in valleys and mountains, a land of wheat. Oh, oh, hold on. The seven, the seven special foods of Israel are mentioned right here that we eat on Tubishvat and other occasions. The seven special foods are right here that Israel is blessed with. It's biblical right here. Verse 8 of chapter 8. Oh, 8, 8. There you go. A land... Eretz chita usa'ira ve'gefen usa'ina ve'rimain Eretz zeis shemen u'dvash Here we go. It's a land of wheat and barley. Vines, that means um, uh, grapes, and figs, and pomegranates. A land of oil, producing olives and honey. A land in which you will eat bread without scarcity. You will lack nothing in it. A land whose stones are iron and out of whose mountains you will hew copper, beautiful natural resources, and you will eat. Oh, <laughs> we end with a bang, benching, the grace after meals. And you will eat and be sated, and you shall bless the Lord after you eat. You shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. So there's, I mean, there's like so much to unpack and so little time because I got to stop right now. But I just want to mention this. We have a mitzvah. The final mitzvah of this reading is the grace after meals. Eat and be satisfied. But then bless Hashem for the good land He has given you. And that's exactly what we do after we eat, specifically bread. Even after other items, we say a shorter blessing. So it's all about gratitude. We end on a note of gratitude. It's one thing when you're hungry to remember God and say, please, I need some food. But it's quite another after you've eaten and you're satisfied and you're good. Who needs God when you're satisfied? I'm good. I don't need God. I ate. I'm good. Now will you remember where it came from? Now there's the test. Do you remember where it came from? It's easy. It's, it's, you feel good now. You ate. But do you remember? All right, my friends, I'm, I apologize. I got to run. Got a meeting. Um, but we're back tomorrow. So no class tonight. According to my understanding, there's nothing tonight. But tomorrow we're back on DPP all online. And um, tomorrow night also, I don't think we have class. I think this week is another one where the only evening class is Tuesday night. And um, we're going to be launching our new stuff come in August. So stay tuned for that. We got really some really cool stuff coming up. Don't forget RSVP for the IJA barbecue this Sunday. 5 p.m. We have some amazing food on tap and drinks and everything on tap for this uh, for this Sunday, 5 p.m. at Chabad on the Beltline. What else do we have? All right, check your local listings for more. All right. Thank you so much, Rabbi. Pleasure, pleasure. Great to see you. Oh, and the scribe. Yeah, check out the scribe workshop on the website. 
And we updated it with the availability to actually sign up. It was a glitch before, but it's ready to go. All right, we'll see you all. Take care. Have a wonderful day. And Shavuot Tov. Bye, everybody. All right. Oh, it's so great to see you guys. I also love the AC in this, in this room. Oh, my gosh. It's so nice. I, I got to run downstairs to my office and take this call. I will let you know how this, how this uh, turns out. JLI wants to, in addition to the flagship courses, oh, hold on. Edit this out.